listening back to our last episode, like, I had forgotten while we were recording that what was that goddamn line that when you were editing, you were like, we really just said this Buckwild thing that Hugo said and we both just, like, continued on as if it was nothing. <laughs> a harmony that goes against the grain is worse than a war. <laughs> what? <laughs> But Hugo just says these things so much that we didn't even question it. So <laughs> Nemo was editing it and it was like, wow, we just like let that one sell right past us. A harmony that goes against the grain is worse than a war. Is I it Hugo? Is have, it... You, have you never known peace? Yeah, wild. We haven't even started the episode yet and we're already like frustrated with Hugo. Mm, I mean, do you feel quote unquote warm? I think we should go in as fast as possible so we're taken as off guard as we can be. Great, cool. Welcome to Brown Barricades, a layman's podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. I use they, them pronouns. And hilariously, last episode, I was joking about the fact that we both had had the lung, um, but it wasn't COVID, so la-di-da. And then literally that week, Stevie got COVID, and then the week <laughs> after, I got COVID. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'll edit out my coughing, but... <laughs> um, yeah, but... God. <laughs> um, so, technically, this episode is like... A, again, we missed a week, but B, I'm calling it season four, even though we don't really do seasons. It's literally just like to mark the fact that, well, we did start a new book last time, but we didn't change to the season episodes and yeah, yeah, whatever. It's a slapdash show. It's a slapdash host who has brain fog. Over to you. (laughs) This is Stevie, she, they pronouns. Yeah, we like some. We actually did when we did the last episode. We didn't have COVID yet. <laughs> the collective podcast did. Like, we did somehow survive the busiest month. Fine, and the timings was that it wasn't that busy month or Comic Con that no. gave me COVID. Like, so, against every odd. Yeah. It was just going to work like normal, where I like <laughs> strap my mask on so hard on that train. So then we didn't record because it was like my brain fog won't be any good. But now Nemo has COVID, and we're like, <laughs> now we should still record. <laughs> <laughs> and if if Nemo doesn't add our intro rambling, I've had a glass and a half of mead, so that my <laughs> lingering COVID brain fog plus. I am a very lightweight these days because I can't drink much alcohol. Means, hopefully, me and Nemo are on a level today. (laughs) We're suddenly going into this chapter with some things. um, With, yeah, (laughs) some brain level. And also, like, I'm going to start, like, (laughs) I mean, we keep pushing off meeting Andreas as as far (laughs) as possible. Um, We haven't done a special in a while, but I was doing some reading and I just thought it was funny. So I'm going to start this episode with some some reading that I'd been doing um, today and just thought that it tickled me so. saying it as like i'm gonna start with a reading sends me straight back to catholic school math <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be fair some of it was about christianity so oh, great. Um, um 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 so basically i was reading about we've mentioned it before but um uh les miserables came out in 1862 um which was 
the USA was having the Civil War. And so when it came out, there were um, editions that came out in the south of the USA that got rid of uh, Hugo's abolitionist message. And also there was like quite a lot of criticism, like in both the North and the South of, of um, Les Mis, like beyond, like, you know, there, there were textual criticisms of Les Mis as like, you know, whether it was good or not. But then there were also these like debates about slavery and um, that kind of thing. And so I was reading these like quotes about it. Um, we're really starting light. <laughs> Um, but, um, I found this really funny. Okay, we'll start with the, like, um, the, 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 the non-racial ones. This is, these are just, like, some reviews that came out in America. It was really weird, like, this one, um, reviewer, uh, for the Atlantic Monthly is saying that Les Miserables' tendency is to weaken the abhorrence of the crime, which is the great shield to most of the virtue that society possesses. And it does so by attempting to prove that society itself is responsible for crimes it cannot prevent, but can only punish. Um, considered as a passionate romance, appealing to the sympathies of the ordinary readers of novels, it will do infinitely more harm than good the bigotries of virtue are better than the charities of vice so this reviewer of Les Mis literally was like Fontaine's a slut <laughs> like how dare Victor Hugo come out here like trying to defend Fontaine when she's a whore it's gonna ruin America which I thought was quite funny and then there was another one um, written by Mrs. C.R. Corson of Philadelphia, where she says, um, Mr. Hugo may declaim in his most grand, grandilo- grandiloquent, grandiloquent rhetoric that the more Fontaine sinks into the mire, the purer she arises from it. But we do not believe it. Marius is another living contradiction, besides being a kind of namby-pamby milk and water creation. <laughs> I mean, I can. I can't <laughs> Yeah, I was that. like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't talk about Fontaine like that. But yeah, you do have some points. <laughs> Where's our Namby Pamby Milk and Water Creation T-shirt, Nemo? Yeah, literally. We okay. We immediately have to create that. Um, and then she carries on, which I just thought was so hilarious. So she carries on. She's like, there are we grant great and sublime passages in the brilliant description of that eventful day the author has brought to bear upon it all the forces of his rich and vivid imagination waterloo under his nervous pen becomes a new battleground and it appears in such magnificent grandeur that we must needs stoop to its magnitude so she's like literally fuck the slutty whore Fontaine, the Nabby Pandy Milk and Water <laughs> Marius. But saving grace of this novel is Waterloo. <laughs> oh my god. Um My mortal enemy. <laughs> yeah, literally. And, and you know, the, the the person that this so this is in a, a, a you can find it on JSTOR, this um like a con con congregation of um reactions to Lemes in the USA. Uh, then there was this one um, in the Southern the Southern Literary Messenger. Um, the author is just uh, initials T W M, probably to hide who they are. And it's really funny because like it's really long. It's it's quite a substantial review, and I read the whole review just now, and I was kind of expecting it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's in the Southern Review, um, and it's like you know <laughs> pro slavery, so it has that 
going for it. But I, I was quite interested in the fact that this reviewer really, really loves Les Mis, like really loves it and is like defending it and actually defending it on all of the same points that we love it. Like starts off by being like the Bishop is the best character ever. Oh no. <laughs> um, and he really um, supports Fontaine as well and is basically like, like goes on this kind of like, aside about how uh how ill-treated women are in society and like how no man can like read this without like calling out his own friends for doing what Ptolemies has done um and then he talks about or he they uh T-W-M um starts talking about like how you can find Jean Valjean in any prison in uh Massachusetts and how it's so ironic that like in Richmond, Massachusetts, we send our gospels to the four winds of the earth, distributing Bibles, preaching Christ and the Redeemer to the barbarians, quoting TWM, um, saying we go to Timbuktu, to Tibet, to Siam, Nepal, Japan, Australia and the Sandwich Islands. And yet um, in our neighboring state, a man recently entered one of Virginia's noblest noblest families under false pretenses won the affections of a child girl and eloped with her and I was like oh there's some critical thinking here about like colonization and the use of Christianity Mm. and and the like and how American Christians will talk about how white Christian society is so virtuous and yet um and has the audacity to preach this virtue to other people um, and yet like are having these same problems and I just thought like it was such a interesting review and I was like kind of frustrated because I was like I'm kind of on this person's side right like Mm. they're making a lot of really good points and then it gets to the end and um, they're talking about this translation so um, it's a southern reprint of Le Miserable it's based upon a northern translation northern American translation but revised it's no means a bad translation and the revision is beneficial but the publishers have omitted occasional passages, which is deplorable. To emendate Victor Hugo is like painting white the lily. Cromwell commanded that he should be painted with his warts and scars, and an author of genius should be given to the world as he desires, not as his publishers may will he should appear. One blotch alone, however, has been omitted, which may be excusable, abolitionism. But even in this era we could tolerate, there is no abolition of Victor Hugo's worse than gets printed daily in our journals from northern and English newspapers. And as a sincere man, a short residence at the South would soon transform Mr. Hugo into a (laughs) potent advocate of our institutions. Oh my God. It's like really conflicting because it's like, yeah, it's such an interesting review it um it's on um archive.org um southern literary messenger 1963-07 volume 35 issue 7 yeah i just find it so fascinating to be like at one point he mentions Fontaine's slavery you know we've talked about Mm. appropriating the language of slavery in order to talk about white womanhood being enslaved and it's like such a like mind bend that this reviewer goes on because they're literally like talking about Fontaine slavery and talking about this passage about that Victor Hugo says and it it says truer words were never written let Christian men ponder upon and consider them it's so like yeah well the women he's considering are only white for sure (laughs) yeah yeah I guess for this guy like I guess that's like with our 
various villain characters where like I guess they can be multifaceted and nuanced or you're like wow this guy like for his time was galaxy braining on so many things but is still a fucking racist <laughs> yeah 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 I think that's the 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 yeah more of the story yeah <laughs> no. yeah it's just yeah um just thought that was a, a fun tidbit to read mm. <laughs> um and to start us off um despite us not really talking about any of these things in the rest of this episode i believe <laughs> so yeah well we love to know what people thought at the time and yeah. that two reviews now have been like what the fuck is marius <laughs> <laughs> milk and water namby pamby <laughs> speaking of our milk and water namby pamby <laughs> we have done it we made it. COVID couldn't stop us. <laughs> Even though we would have let it, well, we let it hold us off for a, a, a week. Angelas and his lieutenants. <laughs> They're here. The temptation was so great to throw together a whole special. Oh my God. But I was like, no, we're already late on this episode. I think that the part of my brain that is just a listener and not a host would rebel. <laughs> <laughs> so bearing in mind everything that came before in the last chapters which were longer ago than usual so it was the like various unrest in mm. especially paris all the different i want to say unions but all the different like groups that were talking mm. about revolting and being like oh this is how many people we've got but also mm. like how it these groups kind of subdivide so much that like basically like every street's got their own one and like the the friends of the abc which is what our boys are part, are a part of is like mm -hmm. an offshoot of an offshoot an offshoot so you know everyone's like oh yeah we're definitely gonna revolt i heard from so-and-so that the person in charge of all of the planning for this revolt said we're gonna do it but mm. you're so fractured that you don't actually legitimately know it's yeah. just kind of like almost hearsay at this point because we've like subdivided the group so much. Mm. And that's where we're at with Anjolas, mm. who wants to carry out a mysterious sort of census to like actually confirm like, okay, like, you know, we're all talking a big game here, boys, but like, maybe we should check in on that. <laughs> it, it's been quite funny this, this last week, a lot of people have been talking about, well, because you know a lot's been happening but like unionizing and mm. and talking about like um don't publicize your um protests on social media mm. and there was one from oh who's the really famous anyway she was talking about how she she was like apparently it's become really common for people to just put in minecraft at the end of like illegal activities because people think that that like that that people won't look any further like they'll be like oh yeah like we're, we're going to meet to this place to destroy blah 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 in minecraft oh but God. now there's like court cases where it was like there was a quoted court case where it was like um figure three uh fbi informants have been <laughs> reliably confirmed that in minecraft <laughs> doesn't mean shit <laughs> and it's like oh god that's the level of society we're at right now but i'm imagining yeah. andras like trying to be like right friends of the abc we're gonna um revolt in minecraft <laughs> oh, wink. i mean basically like everyone has been out there in the streets being like 
how's the revolution going? <laughs> Aha! I've got five gold bullets in Minecraft. Yeah. So <laughs> they're trying to like get this off the Minecraft server currently is what's going on. <laughs> is that yeah. they're all gathered at the Cafe Mission. Ijolis talks in half puzzling but revealing metaphors. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Let's see if we can puzzle and reveal Anjolas. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to know where we stand and who we can count on. Right, lads? Right, lads? Uh, <laughs> we want fighters, then, you know, we need to be prepared. Have something to fight with that can't do any harm, though. Uh, there's always a chance of passers-by being gored when there are bulls on the road uh, than when there are none. So let's just, like, do a little assessment. How many are we? Question mark. Revolutionaries should always feel a sense of urgency. Progress has no time to lose. Let's be beware of the unexpected. Let's not be taken by surprise. We just need to review the alliance building and, you know, if it's holding up. Uh, something that needs to be checked today. Kufret, you'll go and see the Polytechnic <coughs> students. It's their day off. Today, mm. today being day. Fuli, you'll visit our friends at La Glacerie. Combefer has promised to go over to Peepers. <laughs> Barra will pay a visit to Estrapade. Uh, Pouvier, the Maisons are cooling. Jolie will go to Dupitron's clinical lecture mm. and take the pulse of the medical school. <laughs> 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 Busway will take a little turn around the law courts and chat with the law students. I'll deal with the Cougard. <laughs> I should have looked up what the cougar is. Um, cougar. With as many extra letters as you're imagining. Yes. I went C-O-U-G-A-U-R-D-S. But... There's more O-U's than you can oh. shake a stick at. Oh, but it doesn't want to come... <laughs> cougar dating is free. <laughs> yeah, I got that as well. Cougar town. <laughs> I've just got an... Uh, a blog in French, movie? and the only picture is like a road with like a grate in it. So oh. that's um, interesting. My, mine is Le Cougard, Alp in France. <laughs> Pretty ah. sure that's not it. Um, this bit says you will see the side of the Cougards, side of the housing estate. You will see that many citizens who pay the taxes go there directly to the hole. Uh, maybe it's like a, a housing estate. Mm-hmm. That feels more likely than an. An alp. Yeah. A cougar in the south designates a pumpkin uh, or a squash. To have mm. a head like a, a cougar, which makes more sense because gourd, <laughs> is to have a headache because of a migraine, for example, or because one has overstretched one's brains. Ah. It represents the seats of intelligence, the head. So to use the expression to have nothing in the cougar. So uh, maybe like it's brainy people like i'm going to visit some intelligent people mm. um is what that means and and because it's yeah a pun yeah yeah i think that sounds good <laughs> that sounds like hugo <laughs> yeah especially because yeah as he did say Anjolas is half let's just go get this job done lads and then also yeah. does take the time for his little puns like yeah oh, we'll take the uh, pulse at the medical school and then it's also like we're gonna do great harm but please lads let's like not do any harm can we do this harmlessly <laughs> and Kufrak's like okay well that's everything taken care of no what else is there something very important 
what's that? The main toll gate, said Enjolras. And then he's deep in thought and he's like, oh, there's marble workers and painters and sculptors, assistants at the main toll gate, an enthusiastic bunch, but with a tendency to blow cold. They're losing their spark. We need to basically send someone to give them a bit of a fan talking to because they just spend all their time playing dominoes. I've been counting on that dreamer, Marius. Who on the whole is sound, but he no longer comes. I need someone at the main toll gate. I haven't anyone. Mm. I was like, I guess we've not had much of what's been going on with Marius and the ABC. Like the last we saw of them together, he Marius was like shamed out of the meeting. Yeah, like yeah, crying, shaking, throwing <laughs> up. Yeah, it just seems strange that he's like. Oh, you know, I was relying on Marius. I'm like, who's ever relied on Marius? (laughs) Literally. I mean, yeah. If only there was someone else here that I could rely on, but alas, there's no one. And Mm. Grantaire's like, what about me? I'm here. (laughs) You? Yes, me. You? Rally Republicans? You? In defense of principles? Fire up hearts that have grown cold? Why not? Are you capable of being good for something? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I have the vague ambitions to be, said Ronta. <laughs> you don't believe in anything. I believe in you. Yeah. Ronta, will you do me a favour? Anything. I'll polish your boots. <laughs> well, don't meddle in our affairs. Like, I like to think that that well with a little comma was him being like, oh, well, maybe. Mm. You know, th- those like, discourse within the Andras Gontair um, shipping community where people were like, actually it's really problematic to ship Andras Gontair because Andras treats him so badly. (laughs) That would be saying goodbye to half at least of all ships in the whole world. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is what fandom is based off of. It's just like two men not treating each other nicely. Yeah. <laughs> and being... everyone being like, well, yeah, they're, they're fucking, right? And what if I use them as little candles to treat each other nicely? <laughs> <laughs> oh! Yeah, Ojoz was like, just go and sleep off the effects of your absinthe. And he's like, you're hmm. heartless, I'm sure <laughs> As if you'd be the man to send to the main gate. As if you were capable of it. He's like, I'm capable of going down there. And he's like, lifts off the instructions to get to the gate. So I was like, I'm capable of walking down this street and turning left and going down that street and that leading me to this street. Because Hugo <laughs> needs to let us know that he knows, I don't know, the map of Paris. Yeah, yeah. I'm capable of that. And I'm just like, well, do you know them at all? The people, the comrade, <laughs> comrades, comrades, comrades who meet at, uh, at, in that area. Well, not very well, but we're on friendly terms. Which, like, didn't surprise... Because literally when Ajolas was like, oh, well, you know, if anyone's... Someone could go and speak to the painters and the marble workers and the sculptors. And I was like, did we not get the list of Grantaire's, like, many little artistic pursuits? Yeah. Not just um, set dressing. It's actually uh, plot relevant. <laughs> mm. Well, apparently Enjolas didn't get that info down. Well, yeah, because he, he, he only sees the little drunk in the corner. But as any fic would tell you, <laughs> Grandin is so much better than Enjolas sees him as. 
Well, what will you say to them then, Grantaire? Prove yourself to me in this fanfic. <laughs> I'll talk to them about Raspierre, of course, and about Danton, about principles. You? Yes, me! Um, I'm not being given enough credit that I deserve. When I put my mind to it, I'm terrific. And then he's yeah. like, I've read Prudhomme and uh, I can quote this thing and you take me for a brute beast? I have have in my drawer an old note from the time of the revolution. He basically just like lists off his like, <laughs> I imagine it as that very... What boy is it, Nemo? Like, not edgy boy, like, kind of like, I'm mm. into classics boy. Oh, pseudo-intellectual? Yeah, I'm into French cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only watch black and white films. Mm. Um, and actually, they are films, not movies. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. Not that <laughs> I, like, don't also, like, love this boy. <laughs> but, you know, you, you just gotta, like... Let's all just, like, be truthful about enjoying little trash bags. We don't need to pretend they're better than they are. Um, I have a podcast about French literary classic Le Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so us. Maybe that's why we have to, like, enjoy him while also being like, let's just admit that he's a trash. Because I mean, also, like, number one ADHD boy. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I just put my mind to it, I would be capable of finishing a whole project. I just can't concentrate, so I can never prove that. I don't understand why you have so little faith in me, Andras, just because I've never sat still once in my life, nor have I engaged in political conversation in front of you, doesn't mean that I can't make a hundred artists join the revolution. <laughs> be serious, says me, Andras. I mean it, says Nemo Grantaire. (laughs) (laughs) So that Ojalas, he thinks about it, though, and is like, Grantaire, I agree to try you out. You'll go to the main toll gate. (laughs) Grantaire, he lives really close to the Café Moussien, so he runs out and he comes back five minutes later. He's had a costume change. (laughs) Yeah, he has. That's how you know he's one of us. He's got on his Raspierre-style waistcoat. Red, he said as he came in. <laughs> and I was like, is that... That's not where the song comes from, right? <laughs> yes, it is. is it, it must be. It must be. It's a fairly like iconic scene. He like kicks open the door. I imagine it like um, saloon in a Western mm. style. And just shouts, Red. Red. <laughs> and he's gazing very intently at Enjolas as he says that. And then, with an energetic pat of the hand, he pressed the two scarlet lapels of his waistcoat to his chest. And <laughs> he's, like, literally just only re-entered the cafe. And I imagine that Enjolas is, like, maybe I'm just, um, for my own amusement, imagining it this way. Enjolas is, like, at the front of the room, which <laughs> Granta has to, like, walk across the whole room. While gazing intently at Enjolras, just yeah. a step close and whisper in his ear, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and everyone is like watching, being like, oh my god, these guys. <laughs> Everyone's more like looking at the sky, looking down at the ground, just like, oh, I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> 
half the room is like, God, it's going to end so badly. <laughs> and the other half is like, yeah, but if they get it over and done with now, <laughs> then we won't have to watch it for another three months. <laughs> so he like trotted all the way over to whisper in his ear and then he has to trot all the way back out. <laughs> And he's on his way. And a quarter of an hour later, that back room is deserted. All the friends of the ABC were gone to their separate tasks. And Jolas, who saved the Kugod for himself, was the last to leave. So you're like, mm. was it a bit? What is it? <laughs> tell, tell me what the pumpkins are. <laughs> mm. Members of the Kugod of A, who Kugod were in Paris, used okay. to meet on Izzy Plain. Mm. In one of the many abandoned quarries. I'm getting less sure of who they are. <laughs> the name is Reddit, is where <laughs> I've been sent. A secret society canonically affiliated to the name is. Okay, great. Okay, so maybe we shan't get a real answer. And we all just have to be okay with that. I would love for one of our listeners to legitimately send us an um actually email so I can get an answer. Yes, please. Like please. the only thing that we need. Please, oh, um one. actually, yes, we'd love it. <laughs> so Angelas is like on his way to whoever these people are in their quarry. And he's like, Oh, circumstances, they're pretty grave and everything's kind of being obstructed by now because everyone's felt this way for so long the fervor has become quite sluggish and that's why he's like we need to take the pulse we need to get everyone like going again Mm. because everything's you know it slows down you can't keep that kind of like momentum going and he doesn't want it to result in a collapse so he's like no it's gonna happen soon perhaps the movement was at hand and the people were asserting their rights. What a glorious spectacle that will be. Angelus is pleased. Things are hotting up. <laughs> With Combefer's shrewd and philosophical eloquence, Fuley's cosmopolitan enthusiasm, Kouferac's wit, Bacharol's mirth, Jean Prouvier's melancholy, Jolie's erudition, Bossuet's mm. sarcasm, he mentally orchestrates a kind of explosion of electric sparks that set alight almost everywhere at once. Everyone's mm. doing his bit, and the result is surely going to repay the effort. It's going to go well. And this made him think of Bronte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know what? Like, the main toll gate's not far. Let's just, I'm just going to go check on him, see how he's getting on. <laughs> Uh, I'm picturing Grantaire as, you know, the um the Japanese TV show about like the three year olds who go on their first oh little God, yeah. like excursion in their little like hats and their sailor outfits oh. and it's like very cute except <laughs> Grantaire is like <laughs> looking at a butterfly and like <laughs> being like, Oh, the painters, yes, I've gotta go do that. Mm. I've dropped this fish. I'm not going to try and pick it back up. Andras is trusting me. I'm going to go with my three pounds to go buy this union. And, like, he he made it all the way there with his three pounds to go buy this union. <laughs> um, and he is in dialogue with some opponent. Yeah. But unfortunately for uh, confirmed ADHD Grantaire, they're meant to be like having this chat over dominoes. Mm. Unfortunately, the only thing I'm sure this hears is them talking about their domino game. <laughs> oh, yeah, it happens to the best of us. It does. He was like, what was I meant to do here? I guess it was just to play dominoes. But you know, if it 
if this is a fanfic and not Victor Hugo's limits, yeah, <laughs> that yes, Grantaria is playing this game of dominoes, and there's like about almost a full page of their dialogue of just being like, oh, a blank, oh, what luck, two, one. One, well then, five. No fives, no ones. That's a problem for you. Domino! I don't know how one plays dominoes. <laughs> but that's what the text says. But you know if it was a fic, that is when Anjolas would storm off and be like, he's a useless, stupid boy. Yeah. When in reality, Grantaire was like, promised, okay, I'll play this one game with you, and then you have to listen to me do this chat. And then he'd yeah. do a really good job. <laughs> of yeah. getting people on side but when he'd show up back to the meeting like hee hee I did a good job I'm sure that would be like you fucking useless liar and yeah. miscommunication would happen for another 20k <laughs> uh, and he'd be like I saw you like um, I don't know why you're lying about this like um, and the more you lie the less trustworthy you are to me so like uh, yeah he just digs himself into a deeper and deeper hole rip <laughs> but then in this version the <laughs> let's pretend so that the stakes are less high it's like some sort of student council protest or some shit like that then all of the like art students would show up at their little protest (laughs) and he'd be like I misjudged you Grantaire and he would have told Grantaire like don't even come to the rally or whatever it is this fic that I can't keep a hold of (laughs) is protesting (laughs) yeah yeah and then it's another 10 to 15k of Angeles having to go like grovel because I feel like the readers act like based on when I took the pulse of reading a couple figs the readers mm-hmm. like some Angeles groveling yeah yeah well, I think because he he is actually quite like bitchy in the novel yeah like, he's not a <laughs> he's not a like he's not a soft boy no. he's like quite yeah, he's hard, he's hard in his ways and stuff, and, and he does treat Gontaire quite badly. But one of the things is, like, I fully thought that that is what Gontaire was doing here, where he was like, you know, you don't just start going to... Like, surely a good way to convince people is to make friends with them. You don't just go up to them and be like, hi, revolution, tomorrow, mm, die. <laughs> die or perish. Like, you know, <laughs> um, you, like, go and you make friends with them and, and you play dominoes for a bit and you, like, see what the the landscape is. But I feel like the, the Hugo butt <laughs> is quite strong in this. Yeah, the Hugo butt is, like, absolutely not. He is a useless <laughs> boy. <laughs> <sighs> I guess this is just me and Nemo saying we understand you, uh, <laughs> Grantia stands slash... Yeah. Granta Enjolas shippers, like someone, I'm sure that fic already exists, or someone can pad out that outline we just set up for you. (laughs) Free food, there we go. Mm. And that's where we leave this, boys. Oh my god. (laughs) After all the build up, they get one, one chapter. Wow, fully, that's quite Mm. hilarious. One chapter, but very heavy on the ER. Mm. Yeah, which is why it's like quite memorable like i remember quite a lot of (laughs) (laughs) and then we are catapulted into book two eponine yeah even better well you say yeah but actually marius (laughs) (laughs) no god if you did it again (laughs) set up our expectations just to make us fail marius was there to see the unexpected outcome of the ambush he'd put javert onto 
in the same way he ambushed us in this Eponine chapter. <laughs> yeah. But Javert had no sooner left the Gobbo tenement, taking his prisoners away, than Marius is like, I've got it, I've, I'm out. <laughs> and he goes straight to Kufarag's. Who so actually no, we've still got a boy. We've got Kufarak. And Kufarak, he's moved to no, he's moved away from the Latin quarter to live in Rue de la Verve for political reasons. Hmm. Marius just shows up and he's like, I've come to sleep at your place. And like they they they're bros. Like we've had them being bros because they just like stay with each other and take money from each other and follow each other around yeah. sometimes. Because Kufarak, who's got two mattresses. To, that equal his bed just pulls one off and is like there you go <laughs> so i do love that for them there was a um <sighs> so when bts announced that they <laughs> they were going on hiatus they did this like hour-long conversation video and john cook one of the members was talking about well other people were talking about how they've like finally moved out of being in the same house with each other like they've lived together for a decade and so finally they've like been able to get their own places and one of them was talking about going to John Cook's house and being like why are there seven mattresses <laughs> and in like every room there would be a mattress and John Cook would be like well I just like to be able to lie down in every room <laughs> <laughs> oh I thought it was gonna be in case any of you came to visit oh my god <laughs> Yeah, he was just like, all of the members were like, literally, he is the most unhinged human being we've <laughs> ever met. But it does like, I don't know, I feel like he's actually more Grantaire than anything, because he does have the ADHD quality to mm. him, and also the like, picks up every hobby and like, is immediately good at it, um, and then like, abandons it forever. <laughs> but um, yeah. I respect his mattress in every room. Yeah, so do I. I mean... I mean, I live in one room and it's very nice to be able to, like, when I'm tired, just kind of flop onto the mm. bed. Is that not the true adult who is still a child at heart stream? <laughs> yeah, true. So, Marius, like, he doesn't have a mattress in every room, but I do love his, like, tiered cake of mattresses. Mm. And then the next day, Marius goes home, pays his rent, and he just takes his stuff. <laughs> and is like, I live with Kufarek now. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's probably one of the more sensible things that he's done. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Um, and then Javert shows up later and is like, where the fuck is Marius? <laughs> and the landlady's like, he's gone. Yeah. And she's convinced he must be some sort of accomplice of the robbers. And she's like, mm. who'd have thought it? A young man as harmless as a girl by the looks of him. <laughs> wow. Uh, but then Marius, like... Because we're like, ah, oh, that is wise of him. But then he's got to remind us that he's written by Victor Hugo. <laughs> but he's like, okay, there's two reasons that Marius has done this. First, he now had a horror of this house where he had been at such close quarters, fully developed as its most repulsive and most ferocious. That sentence didn't feel like it made sense, but I read the words in front of me. I yeah. say dyslexically. Let's try again. <laughs> <laughs> Two reasons for doing this. I I've got a piece of card, so I can only look at one line at a time. Let's see if this yeah. was an incomprehensible <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Firstly, he now had a horror of this house where he had seen at such close quarters, fully developed, at its most repulsive and most ferocious, a social ugliness, perhaps even more dreadful than the villainous rich man. Can you imagine, Nemo? 
Oh my god. Something more dreadful than the villainous rich man. What could even... Oh my god, is that... It is! It's the villainous Paul with a metal <laughs> chair! Bonk! Ten points! <laughs> we do need to start doing a bingo. Um... <laughs> oh my god, why have we not? That'll be what we do when we actually both get properly drunk, because it might not seem this way, but I have actually... I sobered up basically as soon as Nemo read us those... <laughs> reviews <laughs> at the beginning and I was just like oh my buzz is gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry it was quite the, the buzz killer but, um, um, but that sentence made more sense the second time you read it so okay when you edit it see if I said any different words <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was just be. the way I said them but yeah that villainous pauper disgusting worse than a villainous rich man <laughs> secondly he just doesn't want to take part in the trial that is gonna be <laughs> like going on because of the events oh my god i love so basically a i have ptsd about the fact that i nearly touched an evil poor person (laughs) and b i don't want to go to court i don't want to go to court full stop (laughs) that's the end of that sentence was i don't want to go to court (laughs) i know that i was training to be a lawyer but (laughs) Um, and Javert thought the young man, whose name he doesn't remember, because, like, who was? <laughs> had taken fright and fled. I mean, also, like, Javert only remembers every single intricate detail about Jean Valjean. <laughs> That's true. He's Are like, you? I must pursue this bear. There's <laughs> fucking milk and water nappy pampy. <laughs> like, didn't even register on his... This fucking twink, I think not. (laughs) The phase of the moon, the third time that moon Jean Valjean's eyes met, I could tell you that. I have the glint of his muscles and the moonshine as he like clambered out of that third window he's clambered out of, but uh (laughs) Yeah. But you know, he does take some effort to find Marius. Not much success. Um, and a month goes by and Marius is still staying with Kufarak and he's learnt that Thenardier is in solitary confinement. So mm. every Monday Marius has five francs paid to the clerk of La Force prison for Thenardier. And he doesn't oh. have any money. Yeah. <laughs> but he borrows this from Kufarak, which does feel fair because Kufarak borrowed like what, like 80 francs from him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it all it all comes around. Yeah, just some good bros. Mm. <laughs> like to what is there a fic just like about that? <laughs> and, and what Cumberfair makes of it all. <laughs> it's just like Frank, you need to oh, come on. Like I can't come over if he's there. <laughs> He'll just watch like... us really sadly. <laughs> and Marius is like oh but I'll I'll put the pillow over my ears he's like I can't (laughs) that's not better that's what you know how that's worse right (laughs) and Kufrak he's happy to lend this money but he's like where can this money be going and Tenardier is like where is this money coming from (laughs) um in any case Marius is devastated yeah his life's been plunged back into mystery, which is a misery for him. Because, you know, he was he felt like he was so close. He was like, I've got a name. It's Ursul. I know her dad. I think I know where she lives, question mark. And then, like, now it's all just thrown up in the air again. Mm, what he really needs is to start a podcast. 
and confess like and now like you're you've taken my boyfriend and you've taken our podcast <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah Kufrek, let's start a true crime podcast together where we try and hunt down this girl. Kufrek's just like, oh, well, you know, I was doing that one with Confair and, and Marius is like, yeah, it can be like a new season and like, um, Confair can be there as well and Confair's like, I would rather die. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, like, he's thinking about, you know, like, oh, where's she gone? She's certainly not called her seal. Anyway, what was up with that old man? <laughs> <laughs> He just like gets sudden flashbacks of like, oh yeah, and then he just put a a molten iron bar on his arm. Yeah, Cooper was actually like, come fair, like I'm letting him stay here because like he's telling me the wildest story, (laughs) but he tells it so slowly that like he has to stay here until it's done, but it just keeps going. He's telling me like every single hair's detail about the place, like you can't rush art. And he stops to cry every five minutes. Like, that really slows it down. But I'm doing this for us, Cumberfair. I'm doing this for our art. Our ratings will go through the roof. If he could just get to the bit about what was that with the coin? <laughs> was that old man hiding from the police? Is he? Is he disguised? There was. There were some heroic aspects. But also some ambiguous aspects to the individual. Why hadn't he called for help? Why had he fled? Was he the girl's father? Yes or no? Could <laughs> Tenardier be mistaken? None of this detracted in the slightest from the angelic charms of the young girl. Of course. Uh, and his passion in his heart and darkness in his eyes. And he's driven. He's drawn. He could not move. Everything was gone except for love. He's just a mess, basically, to summarise. And to make matters worse, because he's <laughs> such a mess. Poverty yeah. has returned oh yeah of course because you know he's just like in all his tribulations and they've been going on for a while even before this he had stopped working yeah yeah and nothing is more dangerous than to stop working it is a habit you lose it is it's true (laughs) (laughs) oh boy (laughs) we have like one week off work from having covid and we're like don't make me go back Yeah, literally. Today was my first day of like answering emails and I was like, oh, I need to go to bed. Oh. Yeah, Marius instead was like, nah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of daydreaming to do. Yeah. And, you know, a certain amount, says Hugo, does do you some good. Like a narcotic in small doses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of laudanum never hurt anyone. It's never hurt a single person. Because, <laughs> you know... It produces in the mind a cool and gentle mist, then softens the over-harsh contours of pure thought. Um, like COVID. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing pure about any thought I was having during no. COVID. I wasn't even having a single thought. <laughs> no, just that blank, well, that's a purity in, a, in its I own way. I guess so. It's just... probably more like opium than, you know... Uh, anything else where it's mm. just like um, the blankness of not having to feel anything. So a bit of that, that's pr- that's pretty good says Hugo. Creates cohesion, smooths the sharp ideas. Uh, too much daydreaming though will drag you down and overwhelm you. Woe is the intellectual kind of worker who's thinking completely subsides into daydreaming. <laughs> Come for me. I mean, I, I, he, he is a novelist. Like... <laughs> <laughs> also, Victor's job is to like spend the entire day daydreaming. Like, well, 
I say that as if I'm not a writer and it's really fucking hard to write. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he will easily regain lost ground. Wrong! Thought is the exertion of the intellect. Daydreaming is its indulgence. To replace thought with daydreaming is to mistake a poison for sustenance. Hmm. Marius, remember, had started out like this. So I guess he's just like, come back to it. Uh, a person in such a state leaves the house only to go daydreaming. And with less and less work comes more and more needs. That is the law. <laughs> so, yeah, he's too relaxed. The mind cannot keep a tight grip on life. The generous and noble pauper who does not work is doomed. Resources will run out and necessities arise. And mm. this is the path that Marius is on. A path that is a downhill slope on which the most honest and the most steadfast, no less than the weakest and the most depraved are doomed, mm. ending up in one of the two pitfalls, suicide or crime. Keep going out to daydream and the day comes where you go out to drown yourself. <laughs> You're like, oh. here you go. Executive dysfunction. Huh. A lot of um, foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, it, it? Hmm. He wasn't daydreaming. He was thinking, though, for the first time. Yeah, he was. The, the exact opposite. <laughs> well, in Hugo's mind. Yeah. So, Marius was slowly walking down this slope, with his eyes fixed on the girl he could not see anymore. That sounds strange, what we have just written. But it's true. <laughs> <laughs> because the greater the absence, the more radiant it is. So... She's gone, and that means that's all that he can think about. And he's like, if only I could see her again before I die. And he has a, his like sweet fancy left to him. And so he's like, no, but she did love me. <laughs> she did not know my name, but she knew my soul. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 100%. Yep, yep, Mary is. He's like, her thoughts are reaching me. And then he'd think, perhaps my thoughts are reaching her. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Kufrax on the other mattress on the floor next to him, like, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we go back to the handkerchief? You say <laughs> the um that's a like really key detail here. <laughs> and then he's like, Kufrax, just take a look at my dream channel. <laughs> in which he juts down like most dreamers who are melancholic his thoughts in a little notebook the purest most impersonal most ideal of the musings with which love filled his mind he called this writing to her i was just thinking like when when you were saying earlier about like him being a dreamer and that leading to suicide and i was like it's surprising that he hasn't like called him melancholic and then uh, he did <laughs> so um that's my my dream journal of thinking <laughs> of her brackets hugo <laughs> you must not think him deranged nemo no you must not i victor hugo i have a dream journal and <laughs> it's, it's totally not- normal and fine to do that, so... And it's called Les Mis. <laughs> and it's not creepy or stalkerish at all, so... Um... Yeah, quite the contrary. In mm. fact, he had more integrity than ever, actually. Uh, He's exactly yeah. right in what he said about everything, with a kind of honest <laughs> dissolution and candid dispassion. Almost detached from hope, his judgment floated aloft. In this state of mind, nothing escaped him, nothing <laughs> deceived him, and he was discovering at every moment the mm-hmm. essence of life, humanity, and destiny, blessed as he 
even in his suffering, to whom God has given a soul worthy of love and sorrow. He who has not seen the things of this world in the hearts of men by this jewel light has seen nothing and knows nothing. Kufrek is literally sitting there like, please, can you just wank? Like, just one time. <laughs> like, honestly, that would be less creepy. Like, you just need to jerk one off, my dude. Like, this, that is normal. This, what you are saying to me right now, like th- this dream journal is weird. Um, and I'm going to go out for like 30 minutes. No, an hour, no, four hours. I've got to have a nice dinner. And when I come back, you're going to have jerked off maybe three times. And that will have cleared you out. Please, for the love of God. I mean, all that at Victor Hugo. Like, that yeah. was Hugo being like, actually, when you're suffering from <laughs> heartbreak, every single thought you have is correct, and you should wish you felt like this too. But the heartbreak that he was suffering at this moment was about his daughter, right? Like, that well, is... Wasn't that what, it, like, maybe it started with? But Hugo's, it, what, how long's he been writing this? Like, 20 years? Yeah, that's true. We know he's had many mistresses, and he had that main mistress, and they had a... Yeah. Some very, like... Is it like Julia or something? Because this is, like, really specific lovelornness, I would mm. say, that he's, like, where... You're just like thinking about she and writing <laughs> to she and wishing yeah. you could see she. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Okay, so it wasn't, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, you like, can have I wish this one time <laughs> not being a fucking creep. Well, no, he's no. Still, well, he's still being a creep, just not. No, yeah, no, Nemo, no, I wasn't saying he's not a creep. I was saying you were trying to give him some, like, no, this isn't Hugo because he's sad about a legitimately sad thing. And it was like, no, he is the creep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, y- you were reading uh, a lot of good intention in in what I was saying. I was trying to imply that, like Andrew Davies, I mean, cough, cough, oh. um, that he was like putting, because Cosette being like putting all of his, because like when she was younger, didn't he say all that stuff of like, when you have a daughter and she's so pure and, yeah. and stuff and like, mm. um, and it was all that like weird stuff. And now he's having, and it was like, oh, but Jean Valjean is saying that. So like, you know, it's a father's pure quote unquote thoughts for his daughter. But now he's having Marius talking about Cosette in the same kind of language. Mm. And I was like, uh. I see. Um, well, whatever it is, it's like, Hugo, I don't know that there's any state of mind where everything you think is uh, honest and <laughs> candid and uh, your judgment is just a loft of everything else. Yeah. But, says Hugo, the soul that loves and suffers is in a state of sublimity. <laughs> so there's just, like, way too much to unpack, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, will I not see her again? And he walks out to this field. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all been there, lads? It's true. Uh, writing in our dream journal and then just being <laughs> like, I need to walk into a field. <laughs> so there's this field that encircles Paris where you might be tempted to sit. There's this indefinable charm about the place a green meadow and there's clothes drying in the wind and an old market garden farmhouse it's all very cottagecore and there's a small pond with some poplar trees women laughter voices 
on the horizon, the Pantheon, and the towers of Notre Dame are in the background. As it is a place worth seeing, no one goes here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, it so happened that Marius' solitary walks brought him to this patch of land by this pond. Mm. And it's unusual that on this day, there just so happens to be a passerby. And you're like, Of course. Oh? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Is it an old man in a yellow coat? (laughs) Vaguely struck by the attractiveness of this near wilderness, (laughs) Marius asked this person, what is this place called? And the person replied, this is Alouette's Meadow. Of course, yeah. And he adds, it was here that Aubach killed the shepherdess of Ivry. But after the word Alouette, Marius heard nothing more. Well, he said, with a kind of, unreasoning amazement typical of these mysterious asides this is her meadow i shall learn where she lives from here oh god oh, yeah. god immediate first thought creeper <laughs> it was absurd but not to be resisted and he came every day to alouette's meadow <sighs> of course he did <laughs> i was gonna push us through another chapter but we've had too good of a time yeah yeah. And also it's a big tonal change from this one, so I, I, I enjoy leaving us here. I'm trying to find if um, Alouette's Meadow is, like, labelled mm. on... Cause I'm, I'm, like, trying to see... So there's, like, you know, Paris has this kind of, like, ring road around it, and um, so you mentioned that the Parthenon, and you could see Notre Dame, so I'm thinking it's probably on the south side, like, 5th or 13th. Here's... I've looked up the Shepherdess of... Ivry. But whatever this little sad tale took place, that's the... that's the green. Oh, and Victor Hugo was one of the people who watched the execution of this dude who... Oh, who killed the shepherdess of Ivry, and I guess that's why he was like, I gotta pepper this trauma in. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if he doesn't put it in Les Mis, where's he gonna put it? Oh, there's uh, a film. Maybe that's what we can watch and get drunk. I'll be like, and that's the field that Marius writes in his dream journal. Oh, it's slightly further out. Okay, so there's a park here called, um, right next to the Yves Sassen, um metro. It's called Parc Maurice Torres, or Le Parc de Comaille. So, themed gardens and diverse games for kids. Mm. But neither of these have a pond, so... Where are we meant to go and write in our dream journals? Yeah. It's probably become, like, a McDonald's, just like everything else. Yeah, I mean... Like, Paris's borders have definitely expanded. Yeah. Oh, 100%, yeah. Tomorrow morning, we get a train to Paris. <laughs> we go back. Yeah, we go directly to Yves-Sassin. And we stand in the field and hope that the ghost of Victor Hugo haunts us, tells us which park to go stand in, <laughs> and then we will find our cosettes. Mm-hmm. I've got my cosette. <laughs> no, you need one designated by uh, <laughs> Hugo. Hugo assigned cosette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, who knows how much of the last 20 minutes of our yep. lives... <laughs> <laughs> Looking at Google Maps or going to this podcast, but um, but uh, I'm 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 uh, happy to announce that when we do our first meetup, <laughs> <laughs> it... you've all got to find the right garden. None of us know which one it is. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll ne- no one will ever see each other at that meetup, and I think that'll be a success. Yeah, I think I think we should start geocaching. Um, Ooh, <laughs> and like just leaving little like um. <laughs> QR codes. Pages from Marius's dream journal. Oh my god. 
Yeah, 100%. There's enough cosplayers in this community that we can um, have people doing some like little videos that we can QR code in. I feel like we've left ourselves in like... (laughs) This will be one of those stupid episodes that I'm going to listen back to and be like, that was great. (laughs) It's got our favourite things, which was like dunking on Marius. Yeah. Uh, we got some grand and on sure last. Like we had a lot of chat about yeah. that. We had a lot of thoughts. So I guess we ship it. We had uh, some Javert and Jean Valjean. Yeah. Javert showed up. I didn't even like there was so much <laughs> happening. I didn't even take the time to be like, oh hello, my boyfriend Javert. Uh, yeah. He he's gonna be in the next chapter, don't worry. So he'll he'll we'll let him shine a bit more. This um, is my boyfriend Javert and his husband Valjean. We talked about race. Yeah. Talked about slavery. We got America into it. Hell yeah. We got unions into it. We related it to the current day. Yeah. We our favorite bit, which is I, I feel like our favorite current bit, which is whatever's going on between Cumberfair and Kuferak. Yeah. Stay yeah. tuned to see is their relationship gonna last through this trying time <laughs> of a friend who just doesn't know when to leave. Yeah. Uh uh hell. Well, um, if you're joining us for the first time, <laughs> season f- I mean, season four, episode one sounds like a good place to start. Um, and this was all of our greatest hits. So uh, this has been Lamer's. No, it hasn't. This has been Bread and Barricades, a Lamer's podcast, <laughs> uh, produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. It was Captain's Collections podcast. Our audio designer is Jade. You can find her on our website, jdwasabi.com, on our bandcamp, jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. You can donate to our fund to start putting Marius's weird dream journal everywhere in um, parks in France. Uh, our Patreon and our Kofi are in the show notes. If you have any comments, questions, or quibbles, especially about what those fucking pumpkins were, like, <laughs> please do let us know. You can send us an email, lamerspodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast at gmail.com, or Twitter, lamerspodcast, or on Tumblr at Brad and Barricades. And I believe that's everything. Well, it's everything that this COVID brain can remember. So <laughs> have have fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. I was of no help to you. My brain was off playing dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what we need to do for our getting drunk episode is we're going to watch that weird shepherdess film where Victor Hugo watches someone get beheaded while drinking and playing bingo and playing dominoes. Mm. Um, that'll come together. And we're journaling as well about our yes. experience. Yes. And yes, how yes. much we miss the experience. I feel like the missing something is an important aspect. Yeah. We need to contemplate loss. Um, <laughs> the loss of this week's episode of Lame Miz podcast. Loss.jpg. <laughs> 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 <laughs>